You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine. Welcome to this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing on with yet another incredible guest today. Our guest today, Tristan Brewer, is a performance artist, author, and journalist based in Central Europe. As the creative director of Zades Multimedia, he has worked across five continents to assist other artists and entities to envision their dreams on a diverse range of projects. Ooh, welcome to the show, Tristan. How are you, man? I've, I've been excited to have this conversation. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Fantastic. Cool. So why don't you just take a minute? It sounds like you have quite the awesome creative career here. Um, fill in a little bit of the gaps in the bio uh, about what you do and, and just who you are. Uh, well, originally, as you know, everybody has an origin story. I originally started out as, um, as an artist. I was an opera singer for 20 years, studied classical music. And then I moved overseas. And now I don't even know what to say sometimes when people ask me what I do. So there you have it in a nutshell. Fantastic. Yeah, it seems like that creative journey, there's always so many forks in the road and we really know, we really have no idea where it's going to lead. And one day you look back and you're like, wow, look at all the cool things I've been working on. And so with that in mind, I'm sure there's this, a story of a time that you were maybe faced against the odds and you were trying to do something epic and you had to find some courage to break through and, and, and get through the other side. Do you want to share a story with our listeners of a time that you were chasing a big impossible goal? I think the biggest one for me was making the leap to move overseas because when I moved overseas, I didn't know anybody. All I knew was that I wanted to pursue my job, my profession as an artist full time. And so I moved to Barcelona sight unseen. I just said, okay, I will live near the beach. I speak Spanish. And if I fail, I fail. And 20 years later, I celebrate 20 years. Actually, this April, when I moved to Europe, April 6th, 2002. So this will be my 20th anniversary. And I wouldn't change a thing. And of course, I was very, very I intimidated, scared, all those things. But I would, if I have to do it all over again, I would do it. Incredible. And so what? What was the thing, the hardest thing? Was it was it really just getting noticed while you were while you were getting started in Europe? Was it financial? Was it just like um, just the the fear of not really knowing how you were going to get a foothold? What what was really going on? Like, was there a moment maybe that you can you can trace back in when maybe the fear of the unknown turned into certainty that you could actually make this work? Well, I really feel like it's a combination of all those things that you just said. Because I'd always been an artist all my life. Like as a kid, I studied, I performed as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. And I think it was my father's passing and then losing my brother a couple of years later that really inspired me to realize, you know, life is very short. You never know when it could end. And I was 23 when my father passed away. And that was the impetus for me to leave. You know, I think I think the problem with most Americans in general is that we are very uh, conditioned to stay in the country. We have these preconceived notions about what the rest of the world looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. And for me, I'd always gone to international schools, like my best friends from all over the world. And I thought, you know what? I have a corporate job now. I could just stand here and be 
living quite nicely in New York, San Francisco, Dallas, Houston, all these cities I've lived in in the States because I constantly kept moving, figure, okay, is this the city for me? And I said, you know what, maybe the city for me is not in this country. And so after my father passed away and I lost my brother, I really decided I was made to see the entire world. I was not meant to stay in this country. And that's what I did. Oh. It's really that simple. It's, it, sound, it sounds like an epic story, but it really isn't because at the end of it, the crux of it, it really is you knew what you were supposed to do. You just have to step on faith, out on faith, and do it. Wow. The, 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 that statement is so simple, yet it's so profound when you really think about it. it. And so many of us live in the shadow of fear of saying, all right, I have a feeling I'm meant for this. And there's so many excuses or weights and just the routine of daily life that keeps us from stretching to that goal. And, you know, as a nomad right now, myself, it's, it, you know, I've embraced that, that travel for life thing. And it's not easy. It's in fact, kind of scary. And one of the things that, that you touched on uh, was this idea of loss being a catalyst. In, in, for my, you know, in my circumstance and a lot of the people I've talked to on the, on the show, that seems to be a common theme, that when we lose someone dear, whether that's a relationship or uh, a relationship that fizzles out or the loss of a loved one, it sparks a desire to do something big with your life. Can you, can you paint us a picture of, of really maybe what was going through your head at the time when your father passed and, and just kind of how that spark translated to action for you? For me, um, this is a word I never use at any time. It's only when I describe my father. And when my father passed away, I was devastated. I literally was devastated. Even talking about it now, even 20, over 20 years later, it still it pulls at my heart because I was literally devastated. He was my biggest cheerleader. Everything that I did, he was always there, whether he understood it or not. He didn't intend for his son to be an athlete. I was also an athlete as well, but he intended for me to be something. And when I yeah. latched onto something, he was always there, always cheerleading me. And when he died, the first thing I immediately thought is, who is going to be my cheerleader now? Who is going to champion me? And he's not here anymore. So like even talking to you now, like I'm like, it's pulling. But wherever I go in the world, whatever I do, he's always there. Every every book I write, I dedicate it to him. Wow. Everything is, is for him. And, and, and it, it really, um, people always say, Tristan, you're so strong, you're so strong. I said, the reason why I'm so strong is because I'm very vulnerable. When people ask me, what has my life been like? I have taken the chance and opportunity to. Uh, there was that last phrase that you said, I think was really, was really big, but I, I, it, got, it got cut off. Would you, would you mind saying that one more time? Um, I said, well, once he passed away and I was devastated, uh, I, made, I took the opportunity to possibly fail. And I knew if I could survive his death, I really could overcome anything. And I have. And the reason why I've been successful is because I've taken the chance to fail front and honest and vulnerable with people that may not even know me that well. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And then through the process of failing, that's really where we build our strength. We build the courage to keep going. And Tristan, I was reading on your bio, there, there were quite a few projects that you're deeply passionate about. Um, some of them, you know, involved in politic, politics, some of them involved, obviously, in creativity and giving back to other artists. What what are you currently really excited about in terms of just um, the creative journey out there in the world and just um, how things are trending in the in the modern era? 
Well, it's interesting because now I, um, I'm based in Africa. And, you know, I've been living in Europe and Australia and China, and I've been working with a lot of whites and Asian and Middle Eastern artists for years and years and years. And this is the first time where I've lived in a country where most of the people look like me. And a lot of the projects that I work on now are mainly targeted towards um, Africans and African-Americans. You know, I have workshops and I teach and I uh, lecture about African-Americans that are interested in traveling and investing in Africa. And, you know, there's a lot of ignorance on both sides when it comes to what Africa is really like and what it isn't, healthcare, um, just anything, just anything that you can imagine about that continent. A lot of Americans are really ignorant about some of them want to go. So when they do want to go and they, they're interested, you know, I have these um, lectures that I give and they can call me and ask me, what is this and what's going on here? Um, how about performing? Um, do I have to worry about malaria? You know, a lot of things that people don't even think about, they're never really addressed in the States. So now this is an opportunity for me to be like a connector in a way between two continents and like in the next 50 to 100 years, Africa is going to be the hub again. So this is the best time to be there. Absolutely. So I, as a traveler, I have Africa on my list. Um, what are the three, what are like the three places I absolutely must go to this year? Uh, it's such a big concept. So it's so different. <laughs> right? uh, uh, Nairobi, definitely. Um, I would say, and you know, Cabo Verde is not really Africa in a way. It's really the Caribbean of Africa, but I also like it because it's a mix of South America, Europe, and Africa all at once. You see every color on the streets. And I would say South Africa because I love Nelson Mandela and I, and I love traveling there. Yeah, I think we lost, yeah, we lost you on reception there. So, okay, so South Africa, you love Nelson Mandela. Um, that was where we lost As you. My top three, my top three would be South Africa for Nelson Mandela alone because he's my hero, uh, Nairobi, and Cabo Verde because it's a perfect mix of South America, European culture, and Africa. Fantastic. Yes, I love that. So yeah, South Africa is actually, it was, I was originally going to go to South Africa before I went, landed in Colombia. Um, and then literally as I'm buying the tickets, Omicron hits. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I can't do that. Uh, but, but yeah, cool. So, all right. So Tristan, let's shift gears a little bit and just start talking some, some practical tips, especially for, for the up and coming artists, people who are, are, going against the grain in terms of building a career, look, leaning into their dreams and really trying to make something happen. What are some practical tips that you want to share um, that you found particularly helpful for both your career as well as in some of the, the, the workshops and stuff that you teach for other people to succeed? Well, one of the things and one of the main things that I teach younger artists is that, you know, we live in this digitized digital world and like, you need to get off the grid a bit. You need to be a little bit analog because it's it's far too easy for them to find, oh, I can go to this site and see about this city, about where to go and what to do. When I moved to Europe, there was no social media. There was no Google. I had to go into a club. I had to go into a restaurant and take a chance and perform at this place. And they would have to tell me, oh, sorry, we can't pay you this and this and this. Oh, no, we don't want that hip hop or we don't want that choreography. I had to take a chance to fail and be turned away. And now they can go on Pinterest or Yelp and get a review and know everything up front. That takes away from the experience and it takes away from you actually failing and then succeeding later. 
So you need to get off the grid a bit and take the chance to, oh, you know, this is not what I expect. You shouldn't always get what you expect. Sometimes you should be thrown off kilter because that's the best way to become a better artist. Yes. And like true magic happens when you're outside of the comfort zone and you're open for that synchronicity to pop in and just ideas to flow outside of, you know, what, whatever you've imagined. Um, you put yourself out there. Really, really, really powerful. All right. So now with that in mind, what, what's something else that um, outside of just, okay, so we're going, going analog um, now. Okay. We're, we're getting some inspiration. We're getting some connections. We're hitting the street. What, what advice do you have for people to really lean into the courage that is necessary um, to, to actually get through to the other side? The most important thing that you need to have is you need to find your tribe and find your team as soon as possible. And in, in order to do that, you have to be truthful about what you want and what you expect of other people. For example, when I moved to Barcelona, I didn't know a single person. They speak Catalan in Barcelona. I didn't speak Catalan. I spoke Castilian Spanish. I had to learn Catalan to meet the people that I really needed to meet. I had to tell them what I wanted and be able to express it in such a way where there was no gray area. This is what I want to do. I want a band. I want a drummer. I want this and this and this. Can you help me do that? And that's the reason why I was able to do it quite quickly. Because I did not have this, oh, you know, I'm not sure, blah, blah, blah. No, you need to be very concrete. The basics, you really need to know. The rest, you can figure out later. That's what I try to tell need, You need to know your parameters first, and everything else, you can build that as you go along, because you shouldn't know everything in your 20s or even your 30s. You need to make the chance or take the chance to actually, you know, I'm okay without not being sure. That's okay. Just keep moving. Don't stop and be complacent and settle. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Tristan, I want to, I want to take us to my favorite section of the show, which is really about decision-making, you know, and, and when it comes down to reaching for your dreams and making big things happen at the end of every big dream, there's actions that are, that are taken to make that happen. And at the base of every action, there's a lot of decisions that go into it. Should I do this? Should I do that? Before you, before you take action, you've got to make a decision. And so do you have a favorite decision-making framework or some kind of mental model that you found particularly helpful when approaching tough decisions? For me, because my life is so different and not, not extraordinary in the way that most people would say, it's just extraordinary. So by that definition of the word, what I tell myself is there is no blueprint for what I do. Because I don't know any Black Americans that have lived in the place that I've lived. And I know a lot of people. I don't know any Black Americans that speak as many languages as I do. I don't know as many Black people that have gone to places where they would never even think about going. So I can't really like bounce this off of even my closest friends that have traveled quite extensively. So for me, I have to sit down. I take a day away every once a year. For one day, I, I go completely analog, turn everything off. Nobody can reach me everything that I want to do and plan and plot. I sit down, write it all out, and have a, what do you want, a tete-a-tete with myself. This, this is what I want to do, this is how I want to do it, and this is where I'm going. And then once that conference with myself is over, then I bring my friends into the fray. Hey, this is what I want to do this year. Who's with me? Are you available? I want to go on tour. I want to write my book this year. I want to write a book of poetry. I want to do stand-up comedy this year. 
and then I make it happen. That's that's how I operate. Because you have to re remember, and I always tell every artist this, it doesn't matter how similar your path is to another artist, it's still your career, it's still your blueprint, it's still your creation, and you should follow your own path and keep everybody else out of your final decision. You have to be strong enough to know what you need to do for yourself. Oh, such wise words, man. The, the, the beauty in taking some distance to find that vision for yourself is so powerful. And then I absolutely love what you, the, the process that you brought up about saying, okay, here's the vision that I've created. Okay. I'm going to make this year a life-changing year. Here's, here's the, here's the vision that I have for this year. And then going out there and asking your, your peers, who's with me. Uh, so I want to, I want to ask a final kind of follow-up question to that around, around that process of, of getting great peers who you can lean to support. And when you have that vision lined up, what advice do you have for people who are ready to raise their flag, to let the world know that this is the path that I'm walking. I need to find my community. I need to find my tribe. How do we go about bringing those people in and doing it in an authentic way that, that rallies the support from, their, from your friends? I'm glad you use that word authentic because for me, I think, authenticity is what resonates with people and it makes people gravitate towards you because you know even if i don't speak the language in countries that i'm in when i when i'm walking somewhere i go somewhere i don't look like i'm lost i don't look like i don't know where i'm going i walk with a sense of purpose i talk with a sense of purpose and even when i don't speak that language i convey a sense of he wants to do this. He is looking for that. And people that you want and need in your life, they will gravitate towards that. And they will help you make the final, not your final, final decision, but they will help pique your interest towards what you really want to do. Because if somebody had told me that I would, for example, be doing stand-up comedy in my life, I never would have thought that. I said, no, I don't do comedy. I'm not a stand-up comic. If somebody had said, oh, you will speak five languages in your lifetime, I never would have thought that, but here I am speaking these languages because I was forced out of my comfort zone. And that's how I was able to find these people that have expanded my artistry in ways I never would have anticipated. And that's how you do it. Oh, so beautiful, brother. All right. So let's, let's, let's close it out with how our listeners can support you, how they can stay in touch with you and all of your cool projects, um, and, you know, wherever you're at in the world. I think the easiest way is to my Instagram because I have all my stuff there in uh, Linktree. Um, it's, you can do hashtag Tristan212. That's T-R-I-S-T-O-N-212. Like the city. <laughs> New York. <laughs> and that you can find everything there. You can find the music there. You can find uh, everything there. Pretty much everything. Books, everything. Amazing. Tristan, this has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for sharing your adventures and your insights. There will be more and thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing out to let you know I appreciate you for being here. Of course, if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback, visit Apple and drop a review. That review will help other people find the show and it also gives me a signal that, hey, people are out there listening. And with that, May the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures. And I'll see you right here for the next episode.